So hi everybody and welcome to this special focus Overeaters Anonymous Recovery from Relapse Weeting. Today is Tuesday the 26th of September 2023 and today we'll be hearing from Lindsay W. So Lindsay came into OA in I think around 2007, came back in 2017 but didn't work the steps until 2020 so she's from Texas as you'll probably hear from the accent but Lindsay it is over to you. Thank you for coming. Morning. I'm going to start my timer as well, even though I'm not so great at timing myself, but I'm going to attempt as well. So um, anyway, thank you, Alan. And thank you, Rita, for inviting me. Um, good morning. I'm Lindsay. I'm a compulsive overeater and I am here in Houston, Texas. And I would like to think that you can't tell where I'm from, from my accent, <laughs> but I don't know. People tell me I that I'm wrong about that. But anyway, here in Houston, it is we're in the fall season and it is still in the 90s with really high humidity. So I guess many of you don't know 90 degrees Fahrenheit, but look it up to, for the conversion. It's absolutely wild. Should not be this hot and humid in the fall, but it's going to get better. Um, so um, <clears throat> I'm really, I'm really happy to be here this morning. Um, you know, every time that I start a share, I just feel this wave of, um, I don't know if it's like humility or if I'm completely baffled. It's like, I wasn't supposed to be here sharing my recovery, you know, like, like I, I have this thing so badly that, um, like I never, ever thought I would get it. I mean, I was certain that I was one of the unfortunates, you know, and that, I would show up in these rooms and listen to you all with recovery talking and be like, there's no way they understand how bad I have this. Like no one must have, no one must have what I have, especially like mentally and what I was going through. And I was like, they don't understand. Um, and so I guess I just want to say like for, for those of you, I know there are 99 other people here right now on this line. And then those listening in the future. Like if you think, right, that you're hopeless and that you really can't get this and that there's no way I will have any idea what you're experiencing. I just want to say there's, there's hope here. And, um, a fellow of mine, it was a few weeks ago when I, I was asked to speak and I just wasn't feeling it. And she was like, look, your message is that God makes the impossible possible. And I thought that was so, that's it. Right. I mean, that is the message. That's why that's the only reason that I am here this morning to share my recovery with you because God made the impossible possible. And I'm talking, it was very impossible. So I'm going to talk, um, about, about what it was like for a bit, just to share that with you. So here come the photos. <clears throat> All right. So in this disease, um, you know, for, for me, this disease manifested physically as extreme morbid obesity. So I am five foot three and at the height, I weighed 350 pounds. Um, these are just some of those pictures. And, you know, when I, when I see these photos, um, I feel, I feel sadness. I feel disturbed. I feel shocked. Um, I feel 
compassion um, for this girl, you know, who was just trying to get through through life the best she knew how, the only way she knew how. Um, I still tried to maintain some sort of fashion sense. You know, I've still got my denim jacket. I've got my little fur thing going on. You know, I'm trying. I can hardly walk, um, but I'm at least trying to still look good, you know, um, but but there's no light behind my eyes. And that's what I really notice. Um, and then, okay, next up. Okay. Here are just some more before photos. Um, I took my, my nephew, I'm a really big sports fan and you'll see that here in a second, but I took my nephew to a Texans game. Um, and, uh, I remember it was just so difficult to walk up to the stadium and certainly to fit in the seat. Um, and then these are, these aren't necessarily my, my current photos, but these are just some of the photos on the way, on the way down, um, you know, celebrating my 40th birthday with my sister, um, went to Nashville with some girlfriends, like the idea, the point here, of course, the weight release is fantastic, but it's like, I'm showing up in life. Like I'm part of life. I'm going on trips. I'm flying on airplanes without any trouble whatsoever. And, um, and then these are particularly meaningful. So I've got, um, three nephews and a niece and they are just so precious to me. And, um, I went to Disney world with them earlier this year and here we are on the left-hand side, you know, and I was, I mean, I was on every roller coaster, you know, I walked around Disney, like tens of thousands of steps through the week. And like, I mean, that was so dang cool, you know, because I couldn't have done any of those things before. And then here we are. I took um, I, I gave a gift to the the men in my family to take them to an NFL game this year. And so here we are having a completely different experience. Right. And then um, and these are just some side by sides. I like side by sides. Um I guess I have a flair for the dramatic, but anyway, um, but okay. So like I said, big sports fan and on the far left, I was at the world series game, um, Astros game sitting on the first baseline, excellent tickets. Like this is an experience of a lifetime. And I was miserable the entire time. I just wanted to leave. I, I was in a constant you know, state of fear and shame and embarrassment. And I just wanted to disappear. Um, and then, you know, um, here, I, here, here's on the right, you know, I went to Los Angeles, um, where I've made a ton of friends in this program. I mean, some of my best friends are in this program and I went to Los Angeles. We went to a baseball game. Like it was a fantastic experience. I'm comfortably fitting in the seat, not spilling out. You know, it's just like, it's amazing. It's amazing to be part of life at last. And then these are just my work headshots um, side by side. And then this is another like event I go to every year that just kind of shows the progression. So those are um, those are the photos that just share, you know, um, visually what what ex what this disease did to me and then shows sort of the, the evidence because it says in the big book, you know, when I straighten out spiritually then I straighten out mentally and physically. So I want to be really clear about that message here is that these photos you saw are evidence only of a spiritual straightening out of a spiritual recovery that I've experienced as a result of working the, the steps out of the big book. So um, I, you know, because I know people lean in when we show the photos and that's, that's good. But I just want to be clear that like I 
this was never about the weight for me. And I know that sounds crazy, but I was so miserable that I was willing to do anything just to like get some sanity and peace of mind. And so for me, it was really just, I focused on the step work. I just focused on the step work and the weight release happened. So I just want to, I want to share that. That feels really important this morning. So, um, okay. I want to just talk a little bit more about what it was like. So, um, there are a few experiences that just, um, really stick out in my mind, sort of growing up, going through college, um, adulthood, et cetera. So, um, you know, I always, I mean, look, I always wanted to escape reality. Like I, I lived in this fantasy world growing up. I mean, I don't even know what was so wrong with my reality. Like, yeah, I mean, my family wasn't perfect, but like, you know, there wasn't like something horribly wrong growing up. I just, I'm an addict. I don't know why didn't want to be in my reality. And I have this, this vivid memory of being in my bedroom in junior high with pen and paper. And to this day, I still use pen and paper a lot for things. Okay. I was making up plan, fake plans that I had with like the popular people in school. I mean, I remember who they were too. Like went to Brandy's house tonight. Chelsea came over and brought her boyfriend. And then this person's parents took us to the mall. I mean, it was like, I was just living in a completely separate reality. And that just continued to grow and grow. And I needed more and more food to like, to blot out um, and to, to just erase my reality, to be able to escape and to live in this fantasy world where consequences didn't exist, don't you know, right? And so then I go to um, I go to college and that's when things got really bad because um, again, like, you know, I have this, this, um, this disease, this disease centers in my mind. And so it's like, either I'm better than you or I'm not good enough. And so in college, I was really isolated because it was like, I wasn't cool enough to be friends with like the popular kids, but yet like <clears throat> the others weren't good enough for me. Like this sounds so nuts, but that's really where I was living. And so I would just use food, isolate, be by myself a lot. And, um, I was spending tons of money on fast food. I mean, that's when that, that started for me, you know, doing the whole thing. I'm sure a lot of you relate, like, you know, I would go through a fast food restaurant, order so much food that I would get multiple drinks. So they would think I was ordering for others. And then I remember the first time I went to another fast food restaurant straight away thereafter. And I was like, oh, this is really problematic. Okay. So there was this moment where I had spent a ton of money on food. 10 minutes. Thank you. Gone home and um, talked to my parents and we came up with this budget. They're like, you can't spend this much money on, on food anymore. And um, go back, you know, go back and, and cook, go to the grocery store, go to the freaking meal hall because you have paid for it. And I remember it was, I was committed to this. I mean, I always like to refer back to Bill's story where it says like, this time I meant business. Like I was serious. I really was going to do it. I wanted to do it. Like <laughs> I wanted to do better. I didn't want to be eating fast food all the time. So I remember driving back into the city where I went to college and have such a vivid memory of this. It's really, it's, it, it was so scary. And it was like my steering wheel turned into the fast food restaurant against my will. And I'm so glad I can say something like this here, right? Because if I said this to like normies, they'd be like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Like you're nuts. But like it literally happened. I didn't want to do it. And I'm like a 20 year old at the time, didn't have any sort of language for it. And I was like, something's really wrong. Like something's really wrong. And like, you're screwed. Like this is bad. 
And, um, yeah, that was really scary. I mean, from that point on, it was kind of like, that was that moment where I was just like, well, shit, like it's over. I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like if I can't keep my own commitments, if I can't do what I want to do, then like, this is bad. And so, you know, look, that continued for a couple more decades. You know, I almost failed out of my last semester of college because I was just binging the whole time. Um, you know, I, um, I've gotten married, I've gotten divorced. Um, I've moved across the country to New York city. I've done, you know, diet after diet. I've worked with personal trainers. I mean, I've done all the stuff. Right. And then, you know, I, I land right back and I'm at 350 pounds because this disease gets worse, never better. This disease is incredibly progressive. So, um, you know, with every diet I did, every attempt I made, it would come back with a vengeance. So for anyone on the line that you believe that you are a real compulsive overeater, you know, look, I had to exhaust all of my ideas. So like, I think that's what we have to do. We have to exhaust our ideas, but I'm here to tell you, like, it gets worse, never better. So if you have that little gift or moment of willingness to jump in, grab someone's hand and do this, do it, you know, take like, like jump in, capitalize on that moment of willingness because it is a divine gift. That's my experience. So, um, you know, a few other things that happened, um, you know, I spent so much freaking money on food that I didn't have. I didn't have the money. So every single time I would order hundreds of dollars worth of Uber Eats every day, I would incur an insufficient funds fee in my account. And so um, every single month, my rent check, I didn't have enough money in my bank account for my rent check to clear. And I'm in my mid to late 30s at this point, and I have a good career. Okay. Um, and I, I had an eviction notice on my door. I was getting kicked out of my apartment. So when I say like this disease, I I'm like a gutter level, like heroin level addict in the food and in this disease, like I'm serious. I was getting kicked out of my home, you know, and, and I've had people tell me they're like, I haven't really heard stories like yours in the rooms of overeaters anonymous. I really just hear that stuff in NA or AA or whatever. And I say, good because we need to hear this stuff, right? Like we need to know that the food will take us down as well. And so for those of you that have this, like I have this and that you're identifying, you have what I have, like you've lost what I've lost. Um, please call me, please reach out. Like I, I, I would love to talk. Um, so, um, again, like you know, life got really bad. Life got really small. It got really dark. I mean, I wasn't even living anymore. And, um, and you know, I, I didn't even want to stay alive. You know, there, there was a night where I asked a friend to come stay at her house because I didn't feel safe in my own apartment alone because it was like, I had gotten to that point where it was like, I knew about OA, the food wasn't working anymore, but like, I couldn't get out of the food. So I was in this horribly like terrifying place where I just didn't want to be alive. So let's talk about what happened. So, um, as Alan mentioned in the beginning, I came to OA around 2007. So I was in my twenties at the time I'm 41 now. Um, so I was in my twenties, came into OA, um, at sort of the suggestion or the, you know, um, pushing of my partner at the time. And, 
I had no clue what you all were talking about. Like, I thought it was just like a free Weight Watchers, like the spiritual stuff, like never got that for a second. I probably stayed for a couple of months and then I was out to try the next diet. Right. And then, um, in about 2017, when I had moved back to Texas from New York city, I started dialing back into phone meetings. Cause I was like, things are really bad. I'm scared. I think, I think the solution to my problem is in these 12 step rooms, even though I don't really understand like how I'm supposed to get back there. Like, like, but, but okay, I'm going to start calling in. And I mean, I remember, you know, I'll even tell people now I'm like, oh, that's one of the Wendy's I would drive through when I was listening to a vision for you. Or when I was dialing into that 100 pounders meeting, I remember driving through that restaurant. I mean, I was, look, I was binging, I was eating, I was using while I was calling into meetings. So again, like if you're here with your camera off and you're eating, like, I'm so glad you're here. Keep coming back. Like, we love you. We are here. Like, we get it. You're not alone. Like, I have done the same thing over and over again. There's hope. I just want, I want everyone here to know, like, there's hope in here. And even if you don't feel it today or tomorrow or this year, there's hope. And so um, I would also go, I would drive to in-person meetings here in Houston, and I would just watch people walk in. I couldn't get out of my car. I couldn't do it. I couldn't go in. I was so scared to go in. And I, I, um, I was just riddled with fear my whole entire life. My existence was just like fear, like crippled me. I couldn't even get out of the car. And I remember I had like a therapist I was texting and I was like, okay, I'm here, but I couldn't go in, you know? And, um, I had therapists, I had sponsors that would tell me, I think maybe you're someone that needs treatment. And I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, am I that bad off? Like, I can't get this. So I have to go to treatment. I mean, look at all these other people in OA who got this. I mean, it was, it was really bad off and it was really scary. And I didn't, I mean, I just, like I said, I felt hopeless and desperate and like I was one of the unfortunates. And so anyway, um, it was about three and a half years ago, just into the COVID quarantine that I was like, okay, I should probably weigh myself. Like I should probably survey the damage see what's really going on here. And I remember it was a Sunday afternoon. I weighed myself. I was 350 pounds. And like it says in the big book, like the remorse, horror, and hopelessness of that moment, you know, like, of like, oh my God, like I weigh 350 pounds and I can't stop. Like my life is over. You know, at the time, I think I was 38 years old. I was like, well, my, you know, any, any chance of like having partner of having a family of like probably keeping my job, which by the way, I had just gotten a pretty big promotion and I had a great job and was making really good money, but I was hopeless, right? Just like it says in the doctor's opinion, right? I was hopeless. Those things didn't matter. And I was like, my life, my life is over. I'm going to end up on that show. My 600 pound life, like not being funny. Like that's my, that's my fate. That's where this is going. Like I am tumbling down the hill and I can't stop it. Like nothing can stop this. And uh, do you know what I did in that moment? Like in that moment, what did I do to make myself feel better? I ordered food. I remember the restaurant I ordered from. It was an Italian restaurant, probably for a family of six. And I binged my brains out because that's the only way. That was all I knew how to do to feel better. That was it. That was the only way I could cope with life. Good, bad, you know, happy, sad, anything. 
I process my reality through food without a spiritual solution. Like I eat myself into the grave without a spiritual solution every day. Like I eat myself into killing myself, you know, and that's, that's the reality for me. And so it's like that, you know, the, the man that has the headache and beats himself on the hammer. So he doesn't feel the ache. Right. It's like, I weigh 350 pounds. I have to have some food. I can't get through this moment without food. I really thought feelings would kill me. And so I didn't start working the steps. Are you kidding me? You know, it's like always when I tell that story, it's like, I want to be like, and then I began working the 12 steps of OA, you know, and I've had people call me recently and be like, you know, I just got this awful blood work back. And you would think that I would start working. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that you would start doing it, you know, or somebody, oh, I, you know, I, I picked up last week and I didn't go to work for the entire week and I didn't go to school and I'm probably going to fail out of school. I mean, you would think that I would start doing it. Thank you. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't think that because that's not what, if you're an addict like me, nothing is sufficient. Nothing. I mean, really like that's insane, isn't it? but nothing is sufficient enough to stop. And so I have this divine gift of willingness. I mean, that is really what I look at it as a divine gift of willingness because I can't manufacture it. I really wish I've talked to a lot of people about this. I wish I could sit here today and be like, okay, and then here's what you do to become willing to put the food down and work the steps. And like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I had, it was from God. I kept showing up as I told you and eating, but like the willingness came from God one day to call a sponsor that, by the way, I tried to work with two to three times because I was that person who would call you in utter desperation. I'm ready this time. I have to be. And then I would not call you back. I was that person over and over again, right? I was creating wreckage. Like my amends list was really long. Like talk to my sponsors about my inventory and amends list. Like they spent hours on this stuff with me because it was like, I had so much wreckage I'd created. And so Calder said, I'm willing. I don't know where that came from, but I got to tell you those first few hours, days, and weeks of abstinence were like, I mean, climbing the walls, I would call people in like tears, leaving voicemails for them. Like, I don't think I can make it through the next 30 minutes without donuts. If I don't go to McDonald's in the next hour, I think I'll die. And I really meant that. Like, I know I'm a little bit of a dramatic person, but like, I really meant that. It was really hard. It was really hard, you know? And um, then worked the steps, you know, thank God, right. Work the steps became recovered. Oh, right. It was like, I can't wait to like finish the, you know, cross the finish line, become a recovered person. And then, you know, sort of, and I always like use this analogy, but it, it's like, I was on the recover the shore with the recovered people. Like, here we are, we're all recovered. We're having our like recovered parties. We're talking a certain way, acting a certain way, being a certain way. Like, and I had this whole image that I had crafted about how I was supposed to be, you know, I was speaking. I mean, I had like four months of abstinence at this time, to be clear. Um, 
But I like, I became so dishonest. I wasn't talking about what was really going on with me because I thought that I had to appear a certain way, be a certain way, act a certain way, and especially be viewed a certain way. Like what you thought of me, I mean, for my entire life and still now is very important, but the volume on it is getting lower. Thank God. Anyway. So I relapsed. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, right? If I'm sitting here in pride and dishonesty, I'm going to relapse. Not like I've got to have food to, to, you know, shove that down. And so I was not honest about that at all. I mean, I, I talked to like a couple of people about the relapse, but like, I didn't want to get honest about it in public. And, um, I even, so my relapse lasted for, um, let's see, November, December, January. So like three months and it was on and off. I would maybe get a week here and then, you know, pick up and then get a couple of weeks, pick up, you know, maybe two or three days. But uh, my local meeting had invited me to, um, speak on Christmas day. And I mean, I was in the food, like on, on Christmas Eve, I was at McDonald's binging while my family was like, you know, waiting on me to come back for, by the way, like I have a wonderful family and we were doing a great Christmas Eve celebration, but I had to have my food, right? I had to have it. So on Christmas day, like the day after I binge at McDonald's, like I get on, I tell my story, I have it all written up because I used to write out all my shares. And now I actually don't, I just show up and say whatever, which is probably pretty obvious that this hasn't been planned. Um, but I had my whole plan shared and then go to McDonald's after the share. I mean, that's how I was living in this relapse. Like I was just like, nope, I'm keeping up my reputation. Like that's really important to me, you know? And, um, and so then I had told a a fellow, um, very, you know, convincing, strong recovery, you know, woman. And I go to my home meeting on Saturday mornings, which is like a 200 person meeting. She's like, are you going to share text me? Are you going to share about what you're going through? And I was like, Oh, are you kidding? I'm not going to tell everybody here. I mean, I just spoke at this meeting recently, like I'm good. And she's like, yeah, you, you ought to tell them that you're in relapse. And she's a, you know, she doesn't let things go. So of course, raise my hand. I share I'm in relapse. And like, I have to say, um, that was such a powerful moment in my current recovery. Like it opened, it, it cracked me open. It punctured my ego. It gave way to just like, oh, let me be, let me be willing and open to, to follow someone else's suggestions. Let me be open to someone else's ideas. Let me just get honest and real about where I am and what's going on with me. Um, and so I, I switched sponsors and I began working the steps with, with another sponsor. And, um, you know, it was really just in the beginning, you know, call, like if, if I want to eat, pick up the phone and say, I want to eat and I need help. And it was really just that, like that humility of making that phone call. Like I need help. I need help. I'm not okay. You know, like everything is not okay. And it's okay to admit that. And I, I worked the steps again. And the difference this time is just that I stayed really honest in real time about what was going on with me. And you know, my, my relationship with my higher power, um, it, 
it's, it's a lot deeper and a lot more undefined, if that makes sense. So like the first time, you know, I got really clear about what I needed and wanted in a higher power. And that was still just a little too close to the higher power that I grew up with. And that just didn't work for me. So this time around the higher power, I don't really define it. I think it's just sort of all things, beauty and love. It's, um, it's nature to me, you know, and it is personal to me. I work on developing that personal connection, um, on a daily basis, but it's just, it's big and broad and roomy, like it says in the big book. And, um, and, you know, I think that the, one of the biggest gifts of this recovery um, which by the way, I don't think I shared, I'll have at the end of this week, I'll have two and a half years of, of food sobriety, which from someone that couldn't even get like half a day, you know, is an absolute miracle. Um, but you know, look, I've gotten a lot of the cash and prizes in this program, right? Like if you had asked me to give you a list of like everything I wanted, and say, minutes, well, my thank you. I would say, I would like to, I would like to buy a house. Well, I bought a house. Oh, I would love to drive a luxury car. I got my luxury car. Oh, I would like to have a boyfriend. Got a boyfriend. Um, I would like to, um, I would like to get a new job. Got a new job, right? Like all the things I'd like to travel, all of that. I got all the cash and prizes. Okay. But the biggest gift of this recovery is that like I can go through daily life and experience the, 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 the joy and also the really severe pain, um, of life. And like, I don't have to use food. Like I get to have a full human living experience and be present in my life every day, which sometimes I hate and sometimes is really painful. And I wish that it would all just go away, but I don't have to use. And I, I do want to share um, you know, so the summer, um, I lost my job and I'm still unemployed. And also, um, this summer I found out that, um, my partner and I were expecting a baby and that was, um, a miracle and, and so exciting and like something I never thought would happen. And then, um, I found out that, you know, we lost that baby and I have, you know, so I've, gone through a lot in the last couple of months and it's been hard. I mean, it's been some of the hardest, most uncertain, painful things I've ever had to walk through. But what I want to tell you is like, I'm still sober today. And like that, that is the miracle. Like that is the miracle here because like to put my sobriety first and to say, like recovery is number one every day because without this and without God, I have nothing. Like I lose everything in my life. And so um, I just want to say like from the girl who was 350, losing her apartment, binging while listening to these meetings to someone who can walk through that kind of pain. That's the result of a big old life, by the way, and not use food. Like God, like, like I said, God makes the impossible possible. I don't know how this happened, but like, well, I do, I, I worked, I worked the steps, um, you know, as they're outlined in the big book and really the solution is here. This is the solution. So, um, 
I think my time is up. Um, and so thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Wow. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for that incredible journey, ups and downs. And wow, I'm so glad we've captured that in the recording for the future. So thank you so much for bearing your soul to us today. And hopefully you feel that outpouring of love.